Today's episode is brought to you in part by Logos. Logos combines digital books with intelligent software to help you study the Bible deeply. Do word studies with one click, search for virtually anything in your Bible, and enjoy dozens of features that help you see more in Scripture. Right now, you can find my book, Virtuous Persuasion, A Theology of Christian Mission, as well as get a listener discount on Logos by visiting logos.com slash mniebauer. That's logos.com slash mniebauer. first commandment, to worship God alone, seems on the surface to be easy. Most of us probably don't have wooden statues of Zeus that we bow down to in the morning. But what does it mean to have other gods? What are the things that occupy center stage in our hearts? Is God truly at the center? Welcome to This We Believe, the podcast where we explain the essential texts of the Christian faith. My name is Dr. Michael Niebauer. Today we begin going through the text of the Ten Commandments, beginning with Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. But before we do that, we have to discuss what comes before this passage. The Ten Commandments occur in the book of Exodus after two major events. The first is God leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. From there, they journey to Mount Sinai, where God reveals himself through a cloud, calling Moses up and down the mountain to be his mouthpiece. The Ten Commandments are given after God saves Israel and after God reveals himself to Israel. This is important to remember because the Ten Commandments actually begin with a preamble. God says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Before any of the commandments, God reminds Israel what he has done for them before they could do anything for him. You see, the Ten Commandments are supposed to be our response to God. And this is just as true for Christians today. As God brought the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, Jesus has brought us out of slavery to sin through the cross. Just as God revealed himself on Sinai, God has revealed himself to us in Jesus. If we believe this to be true, then the commandments become our way of responding to this belief. We need to keep in mind that God has already rescued us from sin and death, so we should not turn to the Ten Commandments for a kind of ladder to earn God's favor. If somebody saves me from drowning in a lake, I can't really respond equally. I can't respond by saving them because they don't need to be saved. My response should only be one of joy and gratitude. We can't turn around and save God. Instead, we respond with joy and gratitude by centering our lives around God, and this is precisely what the Ten Commandments prescribe. God has saved us, and he has revealed to us his character. We respond by being thankful and, in gratitude, having a desire to live our lives oriented around God. Now, on to the first commandment. You shall have no other gods besides me. This is the first and most important command. To worship God only is to make God the priority, and not let anything close come into competition with the worship of God. The phrase, you should have no gods before me, can mean something like, don't let these idols get anywhere near me. What do we worship as our God? 
Is it the God of the universe, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or something or someone else? We all worship some God. Martin Luther says this. He says, A God is that to which we look for all good and in which we find refuge in every time of need. Our God is whatever we look to as the highest good and whatever we place our ultimate hope and refuge. When I want what's best in life, I turn to my God. When I'm anxious, I turn to whatever or whoever my God is for comfort. In the ancient Near East, there were many different gods that could be turned to and worshipped in this way. One could find or carve idols and pray to various gods with the hope of gaining something in return. Now, perhaps this command seems easy to us. I'm going to suppose that most of us don't have statues of Zeus or Baal that are competing with God for our attention. However, this does not mean that we are in the clear. Think about what these various pagan gods purported to do. There were gods that one could pray to if they wanted a strong agricultural harvest. Others that one could appease if they wanted victory in war. Others were prayed to for fertility. In essence, people worshipped these other gods because they wanted material benefit. They wanted more money from agriculture. They wanted power through war. They wanted sexual fulfillment and fertility. We might not have the statues today, but our society is equally obsessed with sex, money, and power, and we can very easily place any of these things above the worship of God. But how do we know if we are in danger of putting other things above God? There's a series of questions we can ask ourselves. They're like a diagnostic. When your car or your computer has a problem, you run a diagnostic, a, a series of tests that are meant to find the source of the problem. These questions can help us in a similar way to identify any potential problem areas of idolatry in our own lives. The first question we can ask is this, who gets the best of our time, money, and energy? Does our day revolve around the worship of God? Does our week revolve around Sunday worship? Or does God get the leftover scraps of time that we call together? Where does our money go? As Jesus says, where our money is, there will be our hearts. Does our money go first to frivolous purchases on Amazon? Do we fixate on that new car, that new dress, that new video game? Or does our money go first to God, to lifting up his community, his church, and serving the poor? The second question we can ask is this. What are we anxious about? What are we afraid of losing? Whatever we care the most about will typically bring us the most anxiety if we are afraid of losing it. If we worship success then academic grades, job performances, and career benchmarks will bring us worry. If we worship money, we will fixate on making as much as we can and become anxious if we think we won't have enough for housing or retirement. If we worship romance and relationships, then we will be constantly worried about our boyfriend or girlfriend leaving us. Why do all these things leave us anxious if we worship them? It is not that these things are bad. Money, success, relationships are all good. But when we make them our highest good, they become our God. 
and we become anxious, because all of them are perishable. They each have an expiration date, just like a carton of milk. Our wealth can evaporate in the market, we can lose our job, friends can leave us or die. In fact, we will lose all of these things when we die. We are guaranteed to have zero dollars in our bank account when we die. While many of these things are good, none are eternal. And so if we make them our God, the source of our good and refuge and comfort, we will always be anxious. We can only find true refuge by worshiping the only God that is not created, the only God that is infinite and eternal, which is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is inexhaustible, meaning there is always more we can discover in knowing and loving Him. God is also eternal, so we don't have to worry about losing God. So it is only God whom we can worship and not become anxious. Now that we know the first commandment, we can understand just how difficult it is to follow. Idols surround us and tempt us each day. We'll discuss this in greater detail next week when we talk explicitly about the images that demand our worship. What we will find when we desire to obey the first commandment is that we need help. This is why Christians are called to confess their sins regularly and believe in Jesus Christ. We can picture it like this. God commands that we bring no gods before him, that we bring nothing near him that is not him. But this is impossible to do on our own. However, if we confess our sins and cling to Jesus, he will be able to bring us before the Father, since he himself is God. It is through Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have the boldness to stand before God the Father and worship. I'd like to thank you for joining me today on This We Believe. If you have enjoyed this episode, I'd ask that you leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Also, it'd be a huge help if you just told one other friend about us by sending a, a text message about this episode. If you'd like to connect further, please visit our Facebook page at This We Believe Podcast, our Twitter at We underscore Believe underscore Pod, or you can contact us through email, This We Believe Podcast at gmail.com. Take care and God bless.